been doing your own movies for a couple years. Ramping up now. I read uh, you're going to spend about $400 million on four movies that are coming out this year, okay. give or take. You can never believe what you read. Sometimes. Um, Um, you know, what, what we're really focused on is how do we push the creative boundaries um, and doing shows that uh, bring people together, are exciting, polarize people. All right, I'm the sole recorder. <laughs> I'm the chronicler of this podcast. <laughs> the chronicler, Welcome. smoking chronic. I'm the chronicler of Riddick. Hey, Getting folks, demonic. <laughs> Welcome back to How Original Podcast, Season 3, Episode 2. We're going to talk about Run, Rabbit, Run in a bit, which, as far as I could tell, has no relation to the Eminem song of the same title or the Updike book of the same title. Oh, are there? Oh, yeah. Oh, is, oh there is a... Is that on Infinite? <laughs> run, Rabbit, Run? Is that his first album? Uh, or wait, did it come out around the time he was, like, putting out some singles for 8 Mile, I think? Oh, maybe, maybe. I don't think it was ever on any, like, official thing. Okay. No, it is on... Oh, hold on. It might be on Infinite, I thought. <laughs> the uh, Run, Rabbit, Run extended universe. Oh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it was uh, It was a one-off. I was uh, sending <laughs> my brother Michael, young Michael, evil Eminem songs. Because um, he... We were talking We were talking M yesterday. We were hanging out uh, with my parents. They came over. And I was... Uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, I haven't listened to much Eminem before." I was like, "I'll send you. A, let me send you a few tracks. Let me hit you with a few classic. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> classic shady tracks." And uh, yeah, he's your most like, malleable brother. LOL. Ever heard of Kim? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to radicalize him. <laughs> so what ones did you send him? Uh, like Evil Deeds, The Way I Am, Pew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, the, the way I stuff. am, the way I am is one of my favorite rap songs ever. The way I am is so fucking good. Um, and it's so good on the album. The way it's like the Steve Berman skit that leads into it. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, whole yeah. thing about like, do you know why Dre CD was so successful? He was rapping about blunts, forties, big screen TVs, and women. You're rapping about homosexuals and biking. Men. I can't sell <laughs> this. Uh, good times folks so this is another remote recording um i decided after my big vacation i needed a little vacation so i'm in naramata at the moment at my parents house (laughs) yeah i mean you did take the kind of vacation that you need a a vacation from you know what i mean i i needed to decompress even further it's like, you yeah. know, when you go camping and you're trying to deflate your air mattress, but there's still a bit more air in it. So you have to just like lay out on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I get my knees Press. right on there. I curb yeah. stop that bitch. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, we went camp when we went over to the Oregon coast. We went camping for one night. Um, is there a worse feeling than like setting up a tent and like taking down a tent? Like, is there a worst thing that you can do you know what i mean it's i hate it i find the cleanup a lot more annoying than the setup unless you leave it too late in the day when it's like already getting dark then it's uh stressful to set up 
Have you ever yeah. had that? Oh, we got there in the dark. It was really stressful. Oh, no. I wasn't having it, dude. I was PO'd. I was fully PO'd. So were you the only one who was concerned about like, hey, in the dark, it's going to be a real pain to set this off? Was everybody else just so cavalier about it, assuming it would work out? Well, we didn't really have a choice because yeah, mm. just like the tight the tight schedule that we were on and it was pretty far. So then like, uh, yeah, we didn't really have too much choice. Um but it was just annoying, and I was uh, I was definitely not hiding how annoyed I was at uh at that in the morning. I guess what I'm asking here is, did the responsibility fall upon you as the man to fix everybody else's issue and set the tent up yourself? Oh, oh yes, yes, it did. <laughs> it did. Oh, okay. Well, well, for me and Amanda, um, yeah, I did. I did set up. Well, she helped set up the tent, which was really nice. But uh, I set up like our everything inside. Like I blew up our mattresses. I set up mm. our sleeping bags. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. I feel like I just came up with like a be a man tagline. Like <laughs> set up the entire campsite. Don't let anyone help. Get angry at them for not doing anything. Be a man. <laughs> totally, totally. Just get yo. Get bit by mosquitoes and just scratch the shit out of it. Be a man. <laughs> yeah. Don't apply bug spray. Just sit there and get mad. Don't don't apply fucking afterbite. What are you? After bite. Yeah. dude. Um <laughs> yeah. I think my hell, my own personal hell would just be like taking down my Sisyphus's rock would just be like taking down uh like taking down tents, taking down campsites forever. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like when you're camping as well, nothing fits quite as nicely into its packaging on the way back. And like your cooler, all the ice is melted, so it's full of like slushy water and like soggy hot dogs and everything that's the thing too yeah it's so nasty that's the thing nothing fits back i mean i get the universe is expanding but i didn't think it was expanding that fast you know what i mean <laughs> yes like that's the the laws of thermodynamics are working against us <laughs> um yo so we yeah you're 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 in Naramata, you're in Mata. um N town, <laughs> as some have called it, <laughs> the cool. real N word, Naramata. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is uh. Yeah. Okay. What's what's boots on the ground report? What's what's been happening since the last pod? Anything? Uh, any highlights? Um. Like in my life or in Naramata specifically? <laughs> uh I guess either. Yeah. What's happening uh, out well, these streets? You you got to be our hood reporter. Well, I went to your birthday. That was really fun. Oh, yeah, you did. For those those people who don't know, you turned 29 several days I turned, ago. I turned hey, 29. You, you turned a new leaf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was telling you, it was going to be funny when I turn 30 later this year and retire from podcasting. I'll be like, I can't be a 30-year-old podcaster. And you'll just do a solo cast for a year. <laughs> and then you'll retire and it'll be done. <laughs> what... What do you think is the average age of podcasters? Maybe that's a hard question to answer. Oh, I think uh, no. I I feel like twenty. I think twenty seven. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's like rock stars realize I can either die from drugs or I can start a podcast, and both are bad options. <laughs> the twenty seven club's really tough. Dude, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All those people off themselves because they just 
yeah, they, <laughs> they're they're looking down the barrel of starting a pod. Yeah, they're trying uh, to figure out how to record with USB mics, and they're like, "Oh, fuck it," and then they shoot themselves. <laughs> how to figure out a yeah, trying to order the right switchboard or whatever, and the right <laughs> yeah. Cables. We uh yeah, we still need uh, a switchboard. Uh, we should get one. We do. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, I was not too. The... Oh, I was just going to was... say. Not too much has happened since our last pod, um, aside from going to your birthday, going up to Naramata. Um, my school hasn't started. I've been applying some of the easy apply jobs on LinkedIn where you don't need to send a cover letter. I found, oh, yeah. I figured out how to filter job listings by easy apply and I've just been like smashing those. So we'll see what nice. happens. Nice, dude. <laughs> yeah, we're, what were you going to say? Big peasy on the on the easy applies oh speaking of big peasy i've been drinking so much milk dude <laughs> I've, I've been keeping my commitment to the milk <laughs> yo how's your journey to becoming the big guy i think it's going well feeling yeah. thick feeling solid been having some pretty crazy breakfasts a lot of sweet treats a lot of milk <laughs> hell yeah yeah you were texting yeah. me this morning like you would die if you had this breakfast. I'm like, yeah, because yeah, you don't have sugar. And I was having like two separate pastries on a plate. Dude, the receptors in With my milk. body just, they the sugar would just be free floating in my body forever because it wouldn't know what receptors to bind to. Like my, <laughs> you know what I mean? Your like body it wouldn't would break just, it down. It would not break it down. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what happened. <laughs> um. I've been watching a lot of Huberman Lab, so that's why. Yeah. If I'm talking, if I'm talking kind of smart today, that's that's I, why. I feel like I saw. I, I watched. Like, I watched five YouTube minutes history. of two episodes. <laughs> five five minutes of two episodes of Huberman Lab. I'm on a I'm on a different level. Most informed podcast listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um. Oh, I was gonna. Oh, I was gonna say we we're talking about pods. Um. I went to the Ed Sheeran concert the other day. Oh Lord, how did that go? Did it was fucking sick. Okay, like I I know you're not a fan. You you bounced from my birthday party when we started playing. Uh, when we started <laughs> karaoke singing High School Musical songs. I know you don't like yeah. that fucking. I know you don't like that girl music. <laughs> uh, but but I dabble with it. Um, I was talking about this with Nick though, so I wanted I wanted to get your opinion. Um. Because Nick was was at the concert too, and so we'd met up beforehand. We went to to meet to get some uh, fake ass, bitch ass shrimp, um, and we were eating our shrimp bowls. And I, he was saying like, "Yo, I love it when like the artists during the concert will like do a tight five, you know, in between songs. You know, they do a little right. a little a little set." Um, so I'm here in Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah shit like that um and i was my hot take is not my favorite actually not my favorite i i, I want <laughs> to keep it real i i don't really want that much in between the songs i'd rather mm. they keep the momentum the momentum going like you know maybe a minute or so in between tracks like hey like i wrote this song while i was doing this or whatever um but yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I'd rather, I, I prefer when they keep the momentum going. What's your take on that? Yes, you, uh... same. I would rather have a tighter runtime and less comedy material. 
Yeah. I, I, I'd rather they leave the podcasting to us. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. want them to just start a podcast mid-conflict. <laughs> what's yeah. going on? Um, yeah, I can think the, of people I've seen. I can think of people I've seen, like Father John Misty or Alex Cameron, where they are quite funny and they do have a lot of good little asides and, like, riffs. But, yeah, in general, it's like, I'm here to see the music. I can probably do without, like, here's my observation on I'm in X city and you guys are known for this. So I went to do this today. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, I can do without it. <laughs> yeah. It's the long drawn out stories that get me. Sometimes they do these meandering stories. You know what I mean? And you're like, Hey, they're plagiarizing our content. Long yeah, stories with little to no payoff. That's our <laughs> thing. <laughs> they always royalties. <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. Ed Sheeran was just talking about Adam Divine movies for like two hours. It was so, crazy. Ed Sheeran, he's still ugly as hell, hey? <laughs> he hasn't gotten sexy, has he? No. And do you think that's <laughs> on purpose? Like, he still has the same exact body type, same exact haircut. Good question. Do you think, do you think it's like I, an Adele situation? Like, if he got hot, people would get pissed? Adele got so hot. Um. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Good question. I, th- I guess he just lets the music speak for itself. But I do think about the Zach Fox line all the time where he's like, shit could get u- ugly as fuck like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then later he's like, yeah, I don't regret saying that, but I feel like me and Ed Sheeran would be cool if we ever met. <laughs> um, okay, so you have a story, a news story maybe you were saying for me, and I have one for you. Who should go first? Yeah, we both have a thing we want the other to to react to. So yeah. my thing was actually, so I don't know how this happened, but Amanda's saying this started happening to her suddenly too. I'm just start, suddenly starting to get like Quora questions to, sent directly to my Gmail. Oh, let's go. Yeah, I have those too. Dude, I was I was reading a few of these fucking Quora questions. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting to them because they, they send me like new questions like basically every day um oh even multiple times a day sometimes it's people are not running out of stupid questions let's just say that yeah i was just thinking like dude some of these questions are pretty fucking funny they they gave me a good chuckle so i wanted to i wanted you to just rapid fire some (laughs) answers quickly to some of these more questions a lightning round all right cool um i'm obsessed with asking you questions and forcing you to like lightning round answer them just (laughs) Like last time we did. I think, I think good, that went well last time. Yeah, it's a good format. Okay. So here's one uh, from LG Band Guy, who lives in hell, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> who lives in hell? This is coming to us from the afterlife. Yeah, dude. My son saw me when I was taking a shower. What do I do? Nothing. <laughs> what is there to do? <laughs> I... I mean, it. yeah, how old is the son? Like, there's nothing to do mm. in that situation. I don't think right. either of the people need to behave any differently. Right, right, right. Yeah, good point. I'm... Good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Would you say... Would you say that's almost like... I mean, would there be an age, though, when that does get like you know what i mean like let's say 
you haven't seen your dad naked like your whole life and then suddenly at like 17 you see him naked for the first time like it's probably a little worse than getting that over with at like age seven you know what i'm saying right well i think it's normal when you're much younger to uh you know be naked around each other right so wouldn't that be jarring if you saw but does the guy say how old does the guy say how old like my 42 year old son like how old are the people here (laughs) i'm 90 and my son is 61 and he saw me naked for the first time I don't know. Who the fuck cares? This right, didn't need right. to be typed out. It's a question. Next. Right, right, with right. another. All right. All right. Uh, do nurses have a laugh if the patient has a micropenis? <laughs> um, gee, these are really the questions of our times. These are the, the thinkers of our generation. Um, okay. Let me think about this critically. I feel like a new nurse, maybe the first time they see it, would have a laugh. But yeah, I guess statistically, overseeing enough patients over the course of your career, this would probably come up multiple times. I feel like, I feel like the novelty would really be gone at that point, right? Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I I wouldn't worry about it too much to this person who is. Presumably asking because they are concerned about their own junk, right? Now, what if you saw your dad showering for the first time and he had a micro penis and you were a nurse? See, that's that's a far better question. (laughs) Yeah, that's write a short story about it, dude. I want to explore this. (laughs) Okay, hit me with another. All right, all right. Um, okay, here's okay. I feel like you can weigh in on this one. Uh, my son loves gaming, but pauses it and refuses to play when I'm in the room because I make him uncomfortable. Why would he feel this way? Um. <clears throat> hmm. Once again, I'm curious how old these people are. I don't know. Is he like <laughs> writing over hookers in Grand Theft Auto? And... Right. Okay. Are we to assume there's like explicit content that the kids trying to hide, or I don't know, maybe this is genuine. Mm. Um, right. Or third option is he actually doing something else entirely, watching pornog, and exactly. he's claiming like, "Oh, I'm gaming competitively. I can't have anyone watch." Maybe exactly. he's playing one of the uh, one of those pop up games on the side where it's like, "Click this, and you will come in five seconds." A quiet little town where people are fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's so funny. Like, the claims they make. Like, click this and you will have already come. It's this hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. travel back in time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's uh... always trying to shame you. Like, it's always trying to shame you, too, a little bit. Or it's like, what are you doing watching (laughs) alone in your room? Why don't you play this game? Like this, you stupid fucking dickhead. Do we have to do everything for you? You piece of kid, micro dick loser. Um, okay, back to the question. I don't know what's going on with this kid. I mean, I guess ask and be like, hey, that's kind of strange that you're saying this. Like, what's going on? Yeah. You think he's self-conscious about his performance in the video game? You know, you ever get self-conscious when people watch you work or work on oh, something? Oh, totally. You know what I, I mean? Hate- yeah, whenever people stand over my shoulder as I'm doing something in InDesign, it's like, uh, can you not? 
<laughs> um, just let me cook in a little bit of privacy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is like, okay, <laughs> three batched and insane questions you presented so far. This is like the most real one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any others? Uh, yeah, you, have, you want one more? I got one last one here. Yeah, hit me with one more. All right, like this one this. comes from, I think this one comes from, okay, let me read you. Uh, I got fired. My ex-boss is now asking for the whereabouts of important files. How should I respond? <laughs> this one, mm. I think, comes from actually, uh, Donald, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> actually, I think, <laughs> yeah, this is written by not Donald Trump. Um, I think I saw this question in my email. It was like kind of a legit question. Um... I don't know. Just say, I don't work there anymore. Goodbye. <laughs> I, so I don't know if you... I, like, asking for it. Are they being contacted, like, by email or text? Like, I probably wouldn't even dignify that with a response. Um, actually, mm -hmm. I was in a situation recently where uh, I don't want to give away too many particulars. Not quite this exact situation, but I left a job in good standing, and then later, after I was done at said job after a uh you know working at the allotted time i was asked about something and basically said like i don't have time to help address this anymore so <laughs> that's a block <laughs> um yeah I, yeah fuck it i don't think this person should even respond <laughs> yeah like it's how much do you owe your ex period your ex anything dude your ex employer yeah ex-girlfriend <laughs> yo this ex. employer was listening to like marvin's room and then drunk dialed their old employee at like 389 in the morning being like oh where's the file <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh they're just gonna have to figure it out did you uh did you secure did you hold on to some important files when you <laughs> vacated <laughs> I will plead the fifth on that one. You gotta, you gotta keep a few of those important files. There is something to it, huh? Where it's like, fuck, fuck you, dude. I'm just gonna keep this shit, dude. I, I kind of well, get where is... Trump was coming from. You know what I mean? Yeah, just always hold fuck a little up. something. Well, fuck it is funny in like the modern era with like the digital hygiene of everything. Like sometimes you're in a position where it's like other people will make sure you're logged out of every relevant account, but sometimes it's like. I'm left up to you to log yourself out of everything as you in theory should do. And it's like, I don't know. I'm sure lots of people still have like a backdoor into like their old company's social media or email or Adobe accounts or whatever. It's like, yeah, sometimes the individual employee is kind of trusted that they'll remove themselves as they should. But it's like, yeah, oh. I'm not saying that I, anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> Yeah, confirming or deny. Yeah. Dude, the Quora questions are just like insane, especially when people will give themselves credits in the comments. Like, I've been a practicing lawyer for 35 years, and here's what you should do in a tenant law situation. It's like, are you not busy at work anymore? Like, why are you on Quora? So crazy. I was I was starting to read 12 Rules for Life and uh, I read like the foreword of that book. Wait, and Jordan Peterson. Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah. Yes. You've been trying to read this for a long time. How fucking long is this book? 
<laughs> well, uh, I have start. I've started reading it. I have started reading it. Um, so I read the foreword of the book uh, a few weeks back, and Jordan, Jordan B. Peterson talks about how like these rules actually developed from him answering Cora questions. Like he got, he talks about how Whoa. he like got, a, dude, he got addicted to answering Cora questions Whoa. for a while. He was like in a dark place, <laughs> and wow. uh, that's so when, and so a lot of the rules that that elucid uh, that emerge in this book actually came from these these Quora answers that he gave. <laughs> yeah. He's posting on Quora. My weird hot daughter saw my penis in the shower. What should I do? <laughs> rule, that's rule number 13, dude. 13th <laughs> step in. Um, okay, can I tell you what a news story that I'm pretty confident you will not have heard of? All right. In fact, I don't think anybody's heard about this story in my immediate friend group. So I sound like a maniac when I try to explain this. Let's go. All right. Here's the headline on complex.com. Tabby Swiper. Woman tells wild story of Tinder date she slept with, stealing her $1,000 shoes and gifting them to his GF. So that's our headline. Are you familiar with the Mason Margella Tabby shoes? Tabby being T-A-B-I. Uh, no, but as you talk, I'm going to search him up. Google, Google image search. Tell me what you think of these particular shoes. Would you pay $1,000 for these? Let's see. I just want to get your live reaction. Fucking Joe Man- Manginella. Asks... Mason Margella. Mason <laughs> Joe Manginella. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what the fuck are these? Yo, they got camel toes built in? They're like cloven hoof shoes. What? Which at these are wild. I, at first, when I saw these back in the day, I'm like, these are so whack. And now I'm like, these are kind of fire. Like um, I went to the shoe museum in Toronto. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, did I, they have these? <laughs> they didn't have these, did they? Uh, uh, they had some pretty pretty sick shoes, dude. Uh, dude, people wore so much uncomfortable drip like hundreds of years ago it's crazy what people i think wore, man. i think it's still a flex to wear things that are wildly impractical but yes they're drippy so absolutely agree yeah okay so yeah the tabby shoes honestly if i if i meant the love of my life i might buy her tabby shoes we'll see but anyway so this story it takes place in new york where all crazy things happen and This woman put out a few viral TikToks about these events, but basically here's what transpired. Um, So this woman, actually, do you want me to just read directly from the complex article? Uh, Sure. Yeah, go go ahead. Uh, A quintessential New York City tale that, like most New York City tales, begins with Tinder. The victim opens her TikTok by explaining that a cute guy she had spent time with swiped her prized Mason Margiela Tabby Mary Jane shoes, which retail for around $1,000 and were a birthday gift from her father. After a chance encounter with a man on the streets of Soho, the woman says she didn't realize she'd previously matched with the, the alleged Tabby swiper on the app. After some conversation, they agreed to grab drinks. So I will add that the woman explaining it, basically she locks eyes with this man in public and then later, they're, like, matched already, I think, on Tinder. And he initiates the dialogue being like, hey, did I see you out and about today at whatever place? And she's like, yeah. They message. They go for drinks. They go back to her place. 
and at uh, drinks, they're talking a bit about fashion. And somehow the the subject of tabby shoes comes up and he's saying like, oh, I kind of want some. They go back to her place. They have sex. He sleeps over. In the morning, they have sex again. This is all according to her. And then at some point, she thinks that he slipped the tabby shoes into the waistband of his like baggy pants. And this is an important detail. He says to her, oh, can I see your phone? I want to share a playlist with you on Spotify. But somehow he explains this, like, I don't have Spotify on my phone. So she gives him the phone, thinking nothing of it. He's not even on Spotify. He's going through and deleting all of his contact information because he knows he's about to abscond with the shoes. Yo, what? He hands back the phone. He's like, oh, sorry, I wasn't able to find it. She's like, okay, whatever. She kind of says, like, hey, I'm about to start my day. You have to go. He leaves with the tabby shoes. A few hours later, she's like, wait a minute. These aren't on my shelf where I was prominently displaying them. And she tries to contact him, realizes he's deleted all the call logs, all the Tinder match, all the number and stuff. She basically puts, I think she had a picture of him, maybe like saving her camera roll or something. So I will say this guy was not completely thorough, scouring everything. Uh, uh-huh. She still has a picture of him, puts it up on TikTok, and basically says, like, hey, this guy stole my shoes and whatever. She finds out this guy's had a girlfriend the whole time. Somebody who knows the girlfriend lets the victim know. And this guy also, his girlfriend posts a picture in the tabby shoes, which I guess, here's where things become a bit muddled. Here's my theory. My theory is the girlfriend knows that this guy is stealing shit for her and doesn't really care or willfully doesn't ask very many questions because these are showing up to her used without a box, without any proof of purchase. There's no serial number or anything. So at most, the guy is saying like, oh, I got these on like Grail or Facebook Marketplace or a consignment store. Yeah, yeah. I think she's deliberately blind to it if she's not knowing already that these are stolen. Also, I will say... Uh, let me find this screenshot. I'll show you a picture of what this guy looks like. Oh, I'm um, looking him up. I'm, clo- cl- I'm clocking him, dude. So you know what he looks like? Yeah, yeah. I've Googled Tabby Swiper. And I think I've, yeah. uh, I've okay, got some so visuals. I saw this tweet that said, film profile pic, Steve Lacey build, nose ring, 5'10", hangs out in Soho, shares Spotify playlist, knows what tabbies are. The flags were right there. <laughs> <laughs> wait okay okay here's here's the okay first of all the the putting the shoe the method of the extraction yeah <laughs> uh, putting this putting the shoes in his in his big pants is yeah. crazy is he a dude is he Zoomers guy all... threepwood from monkey island where he like puts endless <laughs> items into his pants like an old well, dude like an, point-and-click adventure game this is crazy zoomers are all wearing these fucking big-ass dumbass pants and it does make me think of the scene in larry clark's kids 1995 where one of the characters is wearing huge pants and stealing a 40 from a corner store and he just drops it into the pants and steals it so okay here's how the story ends so she basically makes the tiktok and i think he reaches out to her again now and says like hey, I didn't do that. Stop sharing it. 
she sends him back a screenshot of his girlfriend wearing tabbies and he texts back i you got me i did it just please take the tiktoks down so they meet in public and he gives her back the shoes however she has a screenshot that is like this man was smiling the entire time like he's a demon and that was the end of that so i mean come on that's pretty funny First of all, it's very funny. And he also said, I, you got me. And then sent like yeah. a reaction gif. And it's like, this is a bold 23-year-old man with a mustache. This guy, <laughs> this guy and West Elm Caleb need to meet up and have a podcast as like the most hated male online dating. <laughs> so, okay, I'm fascinated. Like how complicit is the girlfriend? Does she care? Did she break up with this guy? Like, are they working things out? Was this a crime of opportunity? Right. And how likely is it that he's like, I'm going to go fuck this girl. She has boots that I want to give to my girlfriend. Oh, they're the exact same size. Like, this never would have worked if they weren't the same shoe size, right? Right, right. I mean, yeah, Mike, that's a great question. And, like, I wonder if she was, maybe she had pictures of these shoes. Like, was he... Would he have been able to figure out if she owned a pair of those shoes before initiating the meetup and things like that? Like, <sighs> good you know what question. I mean? like, did she have these sho- shoes posted on her social or whatever? I... I'm sure that would have been, I'm sure she probably did, right? That's a really good question. Like, how premeditated was this? Or yeah. was he just waking up the next morning and being like, I'm going to fucking take these shoes? It's <laughs> like crime of opportunity. So I thought about stealing your shoes today. Premeditated murder. (laughs) (laughs) Also, you know, look, I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying I co-sign his actions at all. However, I would say if you have a prominently displayed designer item that would be easy to steal and you're having a complete stranger over to have sex with them, maybe talk it. Maybe before you go to the bar to meet them, maybe tuck it somewhere for safekeeping. You know, like you totally. never know. Totally, uh, yeah, yeah. And, like, what? And, and I respect, leave... dude. I respect that he was like, ah, uh, I, and then just met up with her. It was literally text I G H T I. You got me. <laughs> also, yeah, I respect I that, dude. He he hit her with the Heisenberg. <laughs> Fucking, you got me, dude. You got me. Yeah, people are. We're literally sharing the Heisenberg. You got me. Yeah. Um, also, Zoomers are very quick to get a mustache early in life. Here's my hot take. Yeah. I like mustaches. I've had a mustache in various periods of my life, but no one has 23 years old, okay? You gotta, you gotta go through some stuff, then you get the mustache. Yes. <laughs> you have to be a little more world-weary. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, yeah, it needs to be more lived in, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's the tabby swiper thing. I'm obsessed with it. Uh, we got to cut to break, and then let's come back and talk about the movie. Let's go. <laughs> so I ate a snack during our break. Pat, can I tell you about the snack uh, I ate? I'm wearing stolen tabby boots <laughs> now that we're back from break. Yes, please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, rate, rate my snack game. Um, I had two little forkfuls of peanut butter with just like raw coffee beans on top hmm that's that much that sounds strange but good it's good man thank you for understanding they're yeah. so open-minded do, to do my neurodivergency 
<laughs> well, <laughs> if I wasn't open to it, this podcast never would have happened. <laughs> um, do you often eat raw coffee beans though? Hmm. Not often, just with uh, just with a little bit of peanut butter to help bring it down down the hatch. Do you ever do you ever do that as like a pre workout? Uh no, I no, I've never done that as a pre workout. I I always pair it with something, but uh, actually no, you know I I have done that before. Yeah, not not necessarily as like a pre workout though. Yeah, have, do you? No, but now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, that would be good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> If I saw somebody at the gym, though, just, like, biting into a coffee bean, I'd be like, this person is going through a huge life crisis. <laughs> like, this person, <laughs> there's something going on. Just eating coffee beans like M&M's? Yeah. <laughs> Out of a little Ziploc? Not listening no. to music, staring straight ahead, unblinking. <laughs> <laughs> Not listening to music at the gym is like, ah, no, because they have music, so it's it's more acceptable, but... But the music um, they have is always so bad, I find. It's like Yeah, it's terrible. I'd be yeah. more I'd be more into leaving headphones at home if the gym could just be silent or if they played music that I enjoyed. Right, right, right. Which I mean the music I'm listening to is usually insane noise music that nobody would ever play on a speaker in a public place. So fair enough, they're probably not gonna cater to me. But if it could just be like, I don't know. 2000 draft or something as opposed to like they mix in too much top 40 i don't like it yeah 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 anyway speaking of things i do not like run rapid run from 2023 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah with this one we wanted to do a horror movie which have been kind of underrepresented i'd say so far in the pod and i'd also say it's a genre that i watch a lot more than you would you say that's accurate I I really like horror. Um, I think lately you it seems like you have been delving quite deeply into the into the depths. But I I used to fuck with it a lot more. I, I would oh, okay. say, yeah, I've been okay. on a bit of a dry spell, a horror right. dry spell. But but uh, no, I definitely fuck with it. Yeah. Okay. I think what happens is usually every October I make a big point of watching a lot of horror movies, and then I'm like, what if yeah. I just started late August and continually watch them through October? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so this movie stars Sarah Snook, who many of you folks will know from her role as Shiv in Succession. Here she's playing a bit of a, well, seemingly warmer, more normal character. Although, when we discover her dark secret. Um, yeah, and if... Right, right. I was thinking, if there's anyone who's brand new to this pod and is like, I hope they don't spoil it, we're going to say everything that happens in every movie, so... If you care about the way this ends and you haven't seen it, I don't know why you'd be listening to this, but yeah, we're going to say the the sinister twist at the end. <laughs> the sinister twist is that Sarah Snook has a huge dump truck. She does. <laughs> and it is my theory that if she had a good man in her life, none of this plot would have happened. <laughs> yeah, dude, she's thick as hell. Wooga. I think, like, in this movie, obviously, she's uh, kind of dressed down and not in the most glamorous state. But in Succession, I think the uh, mm-hmm. the costuming does a lot more for her and all, like, the uh, the Armani power suits and stuff. Oh, I can see potential there, for sure. Yeah. Um, one Letterboxd reviewer called this movie the Baba Snook, which I like. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of comparisons to the Baba Duck. Baba Duke, Baba Duck. Um, yeah. In that it's like 
a Baba elevated horror, like serious metaphor for grief. The shots mm. of the rabbit in this movie, too much of the goddamn rabbit. We get it. Like Wait, each additional yeah. cut to the rabbit scuttling around at the end of the scene loses impact. <laughs> Very unnecessary at a certain point. Um, like if it wasn't going to come to any, like I thought maybe it would come into play more because they were showing it so much, but like it just didn't. Um, yes. So I think movie... the rabbit was symbolic of guilt over uh, Sarah killing her sister Alice, right? Which which is the twist, the actual which twist. Which is the twist. Out. <laughs> you have spiritual sequel to eight mile i like your review of that <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah a lot of this that's a big theme of this movie is just it it's repetitive very repetitive that doesn't like amount it's it's unnecessarily repetitive let's put it that way it really tries hard to fill that hour and a half runtime because yeah we were texting about this and i think you were saying so many scenes follow this template where Sarah is looking for her daughter Mia and she's shouting, Mia, where are you? Finds Mia and then Mia says, I'm not Mia, my name is Alice. I need to see Joan. And then we cut to the rabbit and then we cut to darkness. It's like, okay, one or two times I get it, but it felt like there were maybe a dozen scenes that follow that trajectory. It's like, what are we building up to here? Like, let's go. I I do think this was a frustrating watch because there is a good movie buried somewhere in here. I don't think they fully yeah. excavated it. I think what it feels like is they had a really cool short film and then they stretched that content to a feature length. I think if this yeah. is like 20, 22 minutes, it could be really cool. Um, but it just felt like they stretched it so far. Um Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it, it felt yeah as you were saying like it it felt like a who's on first routine. I texted you that last <laughs> night. Like yeah. it was just this exact like yeah this exact formula over and over and over. Um and and yeah there there was like an hour here maybe of content and they really had to stretch that hour. I think to the the hour and a half mark like the feature length mark. Um, I two and I mean. I think more movies should be an hour long. I don't know if that would classify as like a short film or not, but like you're on Netflix. Hot take here, I think. You're on Netflix, dude. Like there's no, it's no laws. You know what I mean? That, um, dude, that drives me insane because it's like, why does every series have to be a certain length per episode stretched out? Like so much of the true crime they do is just stretched. And it's like, this is not cable TV. You don't have a programming block in the traditional sense. This could be, yeah. in theory, any length. And I think what it is, is these little pea brain viewers who don't have a mu- enough imagination to conceive of something that doesn't run for a set amount of time. I right, think like, people want something on the longer side because they're just going to be on their phones the whole time anyway, but they want to feel as if it's a traditional show. Uh, it's very yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, as you said, yeah, it does it's not filling any sort of time slot. And also you're not no. buying tickets for this like in a movie. Like I would feel no. kind of like, oh, that was a fucking hour. Like I paid whatever 16 bucks to to see that. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> like you're not justifying anything. Um, 
So why not? Like it's yeah, it is kind of crazy. Uh, I have a two and a half star <clears throat> review from Annie. If that screen faded to black one more damn time, dot dot dot. Hmm. <laughs> I I didn't notice a lot of fade in. I didn't feel it fade. Oh, there much. were so many like fade outs, especially in the second yeah. half of the movie. Once they go back to Sarah's birth home. Um. Oh, yeah, okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this movie also like. When you watch a few horror movies, you become very familiar with the tropes of the genre, right? And I think a lot of horror, mo- horror fans would feel almost cheated if a movie didn't hit on several tropes. But I feel like this movie was nothing but tropes and didn't quite move to the next stage where it's like, you need yeah. to be aware of all the tropes and incorporate some so that you can sequence them in a unique way and create something new and distinctive. But this was like, the creepy, uncanny child, the fam- isolated family home that has secrets, just like the you the know, child the, drawing the, creepy pictures. Yes, Which... the child's drawings, the seemingly cute thing meant to look sinister, like the rabbit. Although my take yeah. is that rabbits have weird, creepy eyes, and we shouldn't have them as pets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the they have very creepy. pink eyes. I don't like it. Totally. Um... Yeah, the <laughs> you every horror movie's got to have the kid with the eyes that are too just a little too far apart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the kid saying like cryptic adult things and drawing scary pictures. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this movie needed something a little more fresh. And I yeah, think a I big issue I had was that initially Sarah's profession as a, I guess she's not a full fledged doctor but she's doing something with fertility she's like a at a fertility clinic she, I she's, thought a, that, she's like a ultrasound um specialist yeah which is so, like it's not quite a nurse but it's like adjacent to that it's, kind of level it's something so i initially thought that like her profession was going to factor into the plot and i think it's a big missed opportunity to not thematically connect that to guilt over killing your kid's sister the possible reincarnation or possession like all the family stuff i'm like i think that should have factored into the plot in some in some fashion definitely like when she went crazy at the end she should have just been eating ultrasound gel you know what i mean <laughs> crazy crazy was, crazy shit like that a, don't eat the gel it was all a dream <laughs> <laughs> dude I, I bet it's hard to be an ultrasound specialist and like resist eating that gel <laughs> <laughs> well you're also eating raw coffee beans so i don't know if you speak for everyone <laughs> or like, like you hate... know, it must be hard to be an ultrasound specialist and like resist the urge to just ultrasound yourself all day <laughs> right <laughs> like i mean who, who could resist Dude. it must be tough to be a woman with a a redhead with a big juicy ass and not have a man in your life sarah i'm very <laughs> sympathetic to your plight <laughs> Yeah, ultrasound. Uh, also, she lives in like the windiest suburb I've ever seen on TV. Did you notice any time they filmed the scene at like her actual house before she goes back to the childhood home? It's like, why is this so windy all the time? Yo, the I kept thinking like are Australia, we... the windy city they call it. <laughs> I kept thinking like, are we actually going to have like a storm later in the movie? Like, are people going to have to evacuate? But it's like, no, that's just the normal thing 
it was kind of crazy. Like it did add to like the I you know it to to give the movie its due. Like it did a lot. I feel like with a little. Like I was texting you. Like it did give me the willies. I was watching it by myself at night. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, Amanda was sleeping like it did create a creepy atmosphere I'll give it that you know it, what I mean I do think there were a few shots as well like the zoom into the dark tunnel of like the children's play structure in the backyard and then the kind of mirroring of that where Sarah eventually shows Mia like here's the plaque for my missing sister like here's the gravity of the situation then we zoom into like the underground portal and, like, did you think you almost saw something in the darkness of that shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that almost like there's movement there. Again, I really liked all that. Even, like, the windy suburb and, like, the aerial shots of, like, the winding roads through nowhere. Again, not that that's, like, the most original shit ever, but I, I thought it was well done, um, those parts. Those those Aussies can, can make a pretty pretty sick horror movie when they put well, their mind to it dude wolf wolf creek i was telling you about is yeah fucking sick out outback horror and um, like, there's this other movie uh oh sorry go ahead oh well i was just gonna say we almost ended up doing the stranger for this week and also an australian movie that is a oh. slow burn i would say much is better it? than this but it also oh. takes place in like the parts of australia you would really never want to live in <laughs> okay okay um yeah there's another one of my favorite movies actually i think um is it's not quite horror but it's like it's kind of it's almost like midsummer level where it's like just so unsettling to the point where like probably the closest genre is maybe horror um it's called picnic and hanging rock oh Um, yeah yeah i've heard of that yeah man it's so fucking good i i think uh sofia coppola was like heavily in- inspired or influenced by that movie and like the kind of stuff that she ended up making but um that's a really creepy unsettling movie about these like these uh this class of girls um uh, in an all-girls school that goes on like a school trip and like a couple of girls go missing um mm. in this weird like hmm. rock formation that's a fucking sick movie um yeah so i was hmm. really excited for this one because yeah man those uh those Australians can make a good horror movie. But uh, yeah, this didn't it missed the mark a little bit. Yeah. And again, it's like, it's not like this was an outright bad movie and I did see a lot of potential in it. So that's why it's almost more frustrating than if it was just like a complete miss. Because yeah, exactly. the, yeah. the DNA was here, I think, for this to be yeah. something more than what it ultimately was. Totally. Um, I do want to read a quote to you um from the costume designer you know i love what costume designers have to say <laughs> i'm actually oh, yeah. like obsessed one of the biggest challenges of this film was the <laughs> rabbit mask costume designer marion Boyce says i have a drawing on my wall at home which i've had for a really long time and i'm quite attached to of this ragdoll with the terrorist mask on i kept going back to this when trying to nut out what a rabbit mask that a seven-year-old kid had made would look like Marion, that is fucking insane. That's a crazy quote. So it's like long before you were working on this movie, you just had this creepy, like terrorist mask thing on a. That's yes, wild, that's, right? That's so wild. Uh, I thought she was gonna say the hardest thing in this working on this movie was finding pants that fit around Sarah Snook's <laughs> dump truck ass. Was, 
was finding sufficient fabric to wrap, uh, to gift wrap Sarah Snook with. <laughs> Dude, I've shown you the, uh, yeah, Sam's Taylor, right? Yeah, the yeah, horny yeah. Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think about now. Everyone's always gift wrapped in a 4D fit. The plan. He is a di- <laughs> He's a tailor. He's addicted to tail, to little boy tail. <laughs> he is probably the horniest person on social media at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be uh, Johnny Fragrance or whatever. What Jeremy Fragrance, yeah. Jeremy Fragrance. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy Fragrance. Uh, God, I would love to see him in conversation with Sam Taylor. A night in conversation. <laughs> like a Grand <laughs> Island Writers Festival event. A summit of, of yeah. the mind. I, I would love to see him find a suit, uh, Sam's Taylor find a suit for Jeremy Fragrance. Oh, yeah. That, fuck, that would be great crossover content if that hasn't already happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It seems like such a natural fit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that mask, what did you think of the mask? It was, it, was, it was pretty well done. I thought it was kind of I did like the mask, even though it's like, I'm pretty sure I've seen movies with very similar masks. Totally, but yeah, yeah, just like it's like again, badly that's... cut out. It's like just a little something's a little on. There's no mouth. It's just eyes. Like the eyes yeah. are a little different sizes. Like okay, asymmetrical. Okay. It's a yes. creepy mask. We get it. It's so on the nose. You know, <laughs> it's believable that a seven year old kid could produce said oh. mask. Dude, I was um, thinking, what would what would I do if one of my students came in wearing a mask like that to my <laughs> class? <laughs> I think I just have an exorcism on the spot, bro. <laughs> yeah, as a teacher, it's like, all right, I need to intervene here. There's no way <laughs> things are going well at home. Yeah. Nobody insists on keeping a rabbit mask on their face and going by a different name because their home life is super chill. <laughs> so i was gonna say should we read any letterbox or should we just dive right into the movie um i think we kind of captured the general sentiment on letterbox totally wait um, let me just read you one can i just read one review which made me laugh uh there uh frankie fox gave this movie two stars just says who the fuck is alice <laughs> damn uh which is very what- funny <laughs> Just like, like you find out who Alice is. Yeah, it's not ambiguous. Like, did this person finish the movie? But do you think they maybe wrote that before the reveal of who Alice is? They were just getting so annoyed. They're like one and a half stars. Who the fuck is Alice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just couldn't contain themselves. Okay, one more. Uh, From. Bonnie Simarmata. This little girl Mia is... Oh, one and a half stars. This little girl Mia is awfully unbearable. I would have left her right on that highway with that damn mask. LOL. Yo, there's a lot of child child hate in the comment. The letterbox comments. (laughs) Which... Yeah, another note I have for this movie, I think Mia should have stayed normal for longer into the movie, and the transformation into Alice should have happened more subtly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, Because I think they could have built up Mia and Sarah's relationship a bit more, and then had Mia kind of go 
the other direction and would have been freakier. True. Um, speaking of uh, comments like that, uh, let me just read one last one. So this one, <laughs> um, two and a half stars. Shiv is so much stronger than me. I would have referring to uh, yeah, I think Sarah, Sarah Snook, right? Yeah, her character. <laughs> um, I would have dissolved into a manic episode and killed that girl and that freaky bunny. Loses two point five stars for never backhanding that child. I don't care about abuse allegations. My defense, <laughs> she's annoyed. No further comment necessary. Four likes. Hold on, Anna. I think. Whoa. I, I think there is further comment necessary. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah that's maybe a bit of a strong strong stance on that but uh yeah a lot of a lot of uh child hate in the yeah dogs. well semi-understandable yeah, um yeah. okay do we want to break down the plot let's go i'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about this because because the end is inter- <laughs> the ending is interesting because it, it is kind of ambiguous and kind of fun yeah to, like i think i have a theory about uh about the ending that i think you'll like Okay, whereas I feel the end becomes kind of muddled as to what exactly they're trying to say. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's actually good, but it's just fun because I think <laughs> okay. there's, there's enough ambiguity where you could be like, oh, maybe this, maybe this happened, maybe that happened. Right. Um, but yeah, so we start with uh, Sarah, Sarah Snook, who should we call her by her? Well, her, her character name, name is Sarah in this oh, movie. Oh, is it okay? So <laughs> it's easy to remember. Uh, we start with, well, the very first shot is like this tracking shot over, it almost looks like Florida. It looks gross and swampy and like you wouldn't want to be there. Very A dark tuggy. water, kind of droning soundtrack. Already it's like, okay, mm. this is going to be serious and depressing. Um, this aerial tracking shot, we don't really know what's going on. We see Sarah kind of like passed out on one of these little islands and then we cut to her in bed so this was was a dream so whatever place this was um and she does this thing where you wake up from a nightmare and you just kind of lay there for a moment and look troubled so already it's like okay what's going on with this woman yeah, uh, yeah. trouble because there's no man in her life waking up beside her you know um <laughs> i'm not and there we do fun- solar. yeah you weren't there too <laughs> um <laughs> uh, yeah we find out that she is divorced and uh has like, custody the of the child the seven-year-old daughter yeah uh mia is her daughter's name and then the husband like comes over later to with his uh, like Peter, new, new wife yeah comes over later with his new wife to like uh see the kid and stuff and uh, and the wife's kid from a previous relationship it seems and also the news that Peter and this new wife or new girlfriend want to have a kid together. Yeah. So Which Sarah's Sarah not, is not super thrilled, thrilled about. about. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have some sort of like uh, setting setting the scene a little bit. Like we have a few scenes of like Mia going to school. Um, she may or may not be like getting bullied at the school it's a little unclear but she's definitely like a little bit of an outcast maybe it seems like um just like well, a she's little... from but she's, a... she's from a very windy neighborhood so nobody wants to go over to her house and play they're worried they'll get swept away into the sky that's true and her eyes are very far apart 
also <laughs> they are um, just a bit too far apart you're right yeah so she doesn't look if, as scary as the little girl from hereditary but no she doesn't quite look normal either definitely in that in that realm in that ballpark <laughs> for sure um <laughs> dude, if you put every child from like every horror movie together they would just look like the Whitaker fucking family <laughs> yeah that would be a good soft white underbelly interview <laughs> I wonder if anyone knows what the fuck we're talking about <laughs> let's move on dude, we don't have to explain it dude, um, dude we were at a fucking uh, bar- like a very very chill family barbecue yesterday at Amanda's aunt's house and Amanda, I, I like overheard Amanda talking about soft white underbelly to like her cousins and then Wait, she was what? about to she was and she, the one to bring it up? Yeah, Amanda was and she was about to throw it on the TV for like the whole family <laughs> she's like, oh, cause like, they're like she was like, oh, you haven't seen soft white underbelly? Like, let me show you, let's throw it on the TV I had to stop this, I was like, no, no, no please don't <laughs> Yeah, let's not hear about people who are like super molested and then did crystal meth for two decades. Maybe not the vibe. Let's not. Well, I think I've said this. Pimps talk about. I was gonna say I I like the pimp ones especially. I learned a lot about gender dynamics and life. What if the rest of the evening was just us watching pimp videos on soft white underbelly? Or you do the soft white underbelly to no jumper pipeline because you watch the interviews with Sharp Sharp the Pimp on Soft White Underbelly and then he becomes a host on No Jumper. Oh shit. And like gets his own show, the Sharp Tank on the Cursed oh, Adam Twenty Two Network. <laughs> Dude, Sharp Tank is so funny because like yeah, I mean, obviously he can talk in circles all day without really saying anything, but he gets so mad at like all these like only fans girls and stuff and tries to like educate them about life and it just devolves into like he's had so many episodes of the podcast where he's like i'm done i'm ending this early like you're a fucking idiot <laughs> which is like a very funny trait to an interviewer to get so mad at your subject so you just end it that's hilarious damn bro. yeah man. Um, <laughs> uh what were we yeah. talking about I don't know. Yeah. This movie. The where movie. were we? The movie. The movie. The soft white. Oh, the the Woodtaker fucking family. Yeah. <laughs> These fucking um, kids, dude. Anyway, yeah. So the, but she's a normal kid, basically. At, at normal, the the and film. she's having a birthday birthday party, and she's asking. This is our first clue that something is going to give us the willies. So she's in the car being taken home from school. Uh, Sarah's driving Mia. And Mia says, will Joan, uh, her grandma, be at this birthday party? She's never met Joan. She's So her grandfather has passed away, and she's never met Joan, the grandmother. And she says, will she be at the party? And Sarah is kind of evasive. You get the sense that maybe she doesn't really have a relationship with Joan. And then Mia says, uh, I miss her. And Sarah's like, how can you miss her? You've never met her. To which Mia says, classic kid in a horror movie. She's like, I miss people I haven't met all the time. And then we get the title <laughs> card. Run, rabbit, run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty soon we're introduced to the literal rabbit, um, which Mia scoops up when they come home and find this rabbit. 
Sarah, you can tell by her face. She's like, oh, God, I don't want this rabbit. But anyway, they end up keeping it as a pet. And uh, I think they put it out in the backyard during the party sequence, right? They, like, kind of trap it in this little playpen. They do. And then at the end of the night, Sarah, like, gets drunk and tries to throw the rabbit over the fence. And it Yeah, her. she's, like, retrieving a hidden pack of cigarettes, stress smoking, and, yeah, handling the rabbit. She gets bitten really badly and tries to get rid of it, but it ends up coming back. Like, the guilt okay. that is the metaphor for <laughs> that's that's a great point my the thing that probably one of the most the things that frustrated me the most with this movie is that like she works in she's medical field adjacent and she doesn't get this fucking infected ass bite looked at from this random right because yes we (laughs) wait does she i don't think we ever see her even like disinfect it we see her put a bandage on it she wraps it herself but like dude it looks so bad at one point in the movie it's like dude go to the fucking doctor it's it, and she it looks also, crazy wait is that the same hand that she deliberately slams in a car door after she accidentally does the same thing to mia she kind of like yes. self-harms yeah so her hands are getting really fucked up well i think the teacher in the movie like comments on it like you guys look like yeah mom or, or whatever <laughs> she yeah, says something like to that. war she's like oh it's not yeah. that bad it's like no i think it is that bad yeah dude speaking of rabbits uh me, michael and and i was i was saying we were chilling yesterday we went out to granville island and uh i sent you the photo of him like putting it <laughs> the cat's head in his mouth yeah <laughs> so sorry can we backtrack here for the listeners uh, so Michael is George's youngest brother, a listener himself, and George was showing me a very toxic group chat with his family members, where uh, uh, Michael and Stephen, another one of his brothers, were kind of going at it, and seemingly for no reason, there was a photo of Michael putting the family cat's entire head in his mouth, and I'm like, I laugh every time I think about it. I've thought about it so much in the past week. Did Michael ever think I could just fake it with the angles to make it look like I'm eating the cat? Or was his plan always to be like, I'm going to put the cat's head in my mouth? Dude, he does his own stats. He does his own stats. He's all about practical effects, man. He's he's, he's the Sam Raimi of fucking... It it was an incredible instance of practical effects. It was sick. So and, but then yesterday funny. we were we were out in Gravel Island. Uh, he he clocked a rabbit, a wild rabbit, and he was <laughs> chasing that motherfucker, trying mouth. to put the rabbit head in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he was chasing it for a while, legit, and it ran away from. Wow. Him. He like I he like almost I feel ran, like... ran him into a little little swamp. Um, it I was feel basically like this fucking gone movie. worse. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then and then he proceeded to tell me like you and Anna need to get a rabbit. Like, that'd be so sick. I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> he thinks we should definitely get a rabbit. I don't know, man. I, I would get a cat instead of a rabbit. A rabbit's a weird pet. Well, he was saying, like, it's just weird enough that, like, that, like, it, like, it, like it's, it's, it, it's similar enough to, like, cats and, like, hamsters and shit like that. Like, it's a little bit off the beaten path, you know what I mean? Mm, but it's not, like, but it's not the like crazy. Cash. Yeah, it's not free cash, yeah. I don't know, dude. I would I would think real hard about that one before making a move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, um yeah, so uh, so that happened. the thing happens with the rabbit, and then that's when like 
shit sort of escalates and the and the we should say more and more weird you're i think you're skipping a scene that really doesn't matter that much but i'll just backtrack quickly so at the party we see her ex-husband oh. new partner kid from a partner's previous relationship and this kid ends up hitting mia while they're playing together and they have to be separated and kind of sarah ends up i mean understandably like spazzing out i don't get why anybody wasn't taking the like little bat or whatever this other kid was holding from their hand um but yeah that scene really has no consequence but that leads to sarah ending up being stressed retrieving the hidden pack of cigarettes going out into the yard by herself um and trying to get rid of this fucking rabbit well maybe that scene was sort of indicative of like sarah's like anchor issues or something like but honest i don't think she was that unjustified i think the other people were not concerned enough that their kid was hitting mia <laughs> i i agree with that, I agree right? with that. I, I, i'm I, team I, sarah <laughs> I'd say she freaked out like a little too much. You know what I mean? Where even like I I sort of got the sense that like, oh, she's got like she's got some sort of issue. Like like it was a little much. So maybe that's what the movie was going for. I don't know. You're right though. It is a little unclear what it was trying to achieve with that scene, like what sort of characterization. Yeah. Well, I guess they're just showing, yeah, Sarah's like on edge and kind of everything's gonna make her snap. And she's been ignoring calls from um from an old uh what am i trying to say why did i just short circuit from an old age home like a care facility that her mom joan is in yeah that's and right. also at the party when she's outside she a piece of mail that she's kind of pocketed earlier she takes it out and it's from grandma joan and she ends up like burning it with her cigarette and the whole thing goes up right 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 Yes. So we're seeing, okay, there's no love lost between uh, these two people. Yeah, yeah. Or at least between, from her to her mom. Um, yeah. And then, what's the next thing of note? So so we find out that, yeah, well, yeah, the mask comes into play. So Mia starts wearing this, like, creepy bunny mask to school, and the the teacher explains to Sarah that like she's been drawing weird pictures on the back of like normal pictures. <laughs> so she draws yeah. like normal kid pictures and then on the back it's like it's, it's like, like scribbled in Astro- black and like demons. It's like the, the I- evil Astro World album cover. You know, I showed you the like there's the <laughs> yeah. normal Astro World and then it's like the alternate album cover that I guess comes in like the liner notes or something, maybe. Or, yeah. It's like Dark Astro World. Um, yeah, dude. She's drawing Dark Astro World on the back of <laughs> all these, all her normal drawings. She's in sicko mode and she can't she can't turn it off. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's um, like a big red flag for for Sarah. And then she and this is around the time where she starts like saying weird shit like uh, you're not my mom and like I want to see like Joan and uh, I'm yeah. So and- she she become Mia becomes very interested in learning more about Joan and kind of seeing old family pictures. Um, yeah. So I think I think and- Mia had some sort of relationship with her grandpa, who was then passed away. But the grandpa and Joan were split, I guess, for a while. So yeah, yeah. again, she's never met Joan. She's asking a lot of questions. We see that this is kind of putting strain on Sarah, who doesn't really want to be 
candid. We sense a lot of animosity. Uh, Sarah ends up saying, well, maybe we have some pictures like in the boxes of all her things, but like, you know, we'll do that later. Not tonight. Just go to bed. She, uh, Sarah goes down to the basement where we see quite a few boxes have kind of been piled up. And maybe we sense like Sarah has so much weirdness with Joan. She doesn't even want to like sort her things properly or go through them. She's retrieving photos. We see Mia, like a creepy little fucking kid, come on and sneak up in the background and kind of startle her. Um, and then later it's revealed that Mia has kept a photo of, um, it's a photo of Sarah and Alice as children, right? Alice, as we later find out, being the deceased sister of Sarah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the, I guess... And maybe we should take a break in a moment. But then, so this is sort of the halfway point in the movie, and they finally. Oh, go this. To see sorry to interject. That Joe. isn't even the halfway point. That's like the one third point. I think. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's close. Because we I haven't even. Gonna... We haven't even been to visit Joan yet, because that's upcoming in a scene or two. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to. This see is a and... very repetitive long movie. We we have it's... so much repetitive stuff coming out <laughs> yeah and i think we can streamline it a little bit more um, yeah and come back but like because yeah they do it so like inefficiently as well where it's like they go and yeah, visit let's, like sorry, several times let's throw it to break and then we'll come back yeah okay. yeah cool cool oh we're live let's go so uh we were just talking about kind of like around the midway point of the movie, right? Where they finally go to see fucking Joe. Sure. (laughs) A turning point in the movie, let's say. Um, Yes, so they finally go to the uh, care home where Joan is at. And uh, yeah, we get the impression this isn't very pleasant for Sarah. But, you know, the home has been calling her and she can't keep dodging them forever. So they go. And... um, how would you describe the uh how it goes not well uh well yes yeah, they just go and see her and she's like clearly senile and uh she ends up calling mia alice because they do look pretty similar based on like the so, photographs uh that, yes um, so they've been shown joan, we've been shown joan does not recognize sarah who is her own daughter but she seems to believe that yeah mia is alice which causes Joan a lot of distress and she ends up pulling her away. And there's like a whole kerfuffle. Um, Yeah. And then outside Mia does not want to leave. She doesn't want to get in the car. Sarah is kind of trying to stuff her into the back seat, get her seatbelt on, close the door. She accidentally slams the door on Mia's hand is very apologetic for that. Drives him home. And then in a bizarre twist of self-harm, decides to close the door on her own hand. Um, yeah. Kind of as like a punishment of sorts. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. I like that and scene. And I like Pretty that twisted. too. So the movie enters a sort of holding pattern, I would say at this point, where there are quite a few scenes of Mia being creepy, having a mask on, claiming that she is Alice, that she's not Mia, uh, Sarah getting very upset. Sarah not really knowing what's going on. We cut to the rabbit on the floor. Things might fade to black. It goes into a a, a true loop. 
like me on weed, dude. It just goes into a loop <laughs> that it, it yeah, was this a cannot point get like, out of shit. Am I high right now? Am I in purgatory? <laughs> kind of, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so th- that just goes on for a while, and I don't think we really need to say too much. So was more. this was this giving you the willies at this point? Yeah, it was giving me it was giving me uh, yeah certain things that like uh Mia slash Alice said because at this point like basically we are to believe that like Alice has like possessed Mia and maybe mm-hmm. like, Mia is like fighting for control perhaps of her like maybe of her soul of her soul like because sometimes she seems to be normal sometimes she seems to be like um this like Alice character or this Alice spirit so it's it's a little unclear um yeah yeah there there were some points where it was like kind of creepy like she just say creepy shit um <laughs> yeah yeah i i think it was pretty successful at that but um yeah so i don't know maybe we just skip to like i think the next finally... major yeah the next major plot event is sarah deciding to revisit her childhood home uh yeah, yeah. which is sitting vacant um and I guess at this point she doesn't even really know what she's looking for there. She's just hoping to kind of find answers and well not have this whole she, thing go on. <laughs> I think Mia wants to go there, doesn't she? Like I think uh, she keep doesn't she say that she wants to go there? Well Is that they go? yes, that's also part of it. And then once she's there, she says she doesn't want to leave either. Um but yeah, she they arrive like, lose Sorry, control as a parent. She lo- fully loses control as like a parent and like yeah. the kids in charge, yeah, <laughs> which is never good, never ends well. Uh, Sarah should have like laid some Home Alone booby traps for that kid, dude. Put some yeah. uh, put some of that ultrasound gel on the floor, maybe outside of her room. You know what You're I mean? Obsessed with the gel, you want to eat the gel, <laughs> dude. I just think it's a Chekhov's gun that never goes off. Did you like not get enough jello when you were younger? What's with the gel? <laughs> Dude, I didn't actually. I kind of didn't. Huh. Um, yeah, I always asked for jello. My parents would never buy it for me. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, the good news is jello is very easy to make and not expensive. <laughs> so if you truly want to live that, live that out. I know, but it's not the same, man. It's not the same. Yeah, <laughs> I was I, having a make it for you. <laughs> I, t- I tell you about the first time I went like to like a house party like well uh, i think it was i was like 16 years old and we were doing jello shots and it was the first time i i'd never heard of jello oh, shots yes and then i thought you did tell me i thought you had to like pour extra vodka on top of the jello to make it like alcoholized i thought it was just like jello that you, you thought to, like, it was literally just alcohol. plain jello yeah yeah and i thought you would have to take it in tandem with like some vodka <laughs> so i had poured like vodka on top of the jello in the in like know in the little shot glass and i drank all that i got super fucking wasted um, yeah yeah i mean regular jello shots are never never really good but yeah that makes it even worse <laughs> to double so up. bad dude so bad yeah. <laughs> gross <laughs> um so what happens when they're at the childhood home so mia is immediately drawn to what was alice's old room um yeah. which causes sarah quite a bit of distress and she tries to get her out of the room and becomes very distraught um we see a bunch of old family photos on the walls um 
Mia starts wearing Alice's like nightgown. So she's like yes. embodying Alice basically like more and more. She is becoming Alice. Um, mm-hmm. And then later on, eventually there's like um, a shed introduced into the mix. So like this, there's like a little shed outside of the home. Um, yeah. That we get, we have these shots of this shed and we're meant to believe like something either has happened here or maybe will happen here. Like it's a little unclear. And later on, the sort of twist is revealed that we we do find well and also a role sarah ends up taking down old photos of alice and trying to dump them in this shed although they later re-emerge back in the house um oh yeah that's right that's right yeah so i think at this point it's either after some of these scenes or shortly um we kind of learn a bit more context about who Alice was and what happened. And Sarah is saying that like, Alice was my sister. She disappeared when she was seven years old and went missing and we never knew what happened to her. So it's like this, presumably she's dead, but nobody knows. And she actually takes Mia to, it's not a lighthouse, but it's like this little tower thing. Um, Yeah. That's weird. I don't really get what that was. It's like a cenotaph or something. And it's like there are other, other plaques to like missing persons or dead people. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, basically, this thing. Australians like, are weird, man. Their water flushes yeah. backwards. They're fucking weird. They have weird towers. At least it's not windy anymore. So <laughs> yeah. she takes her to this thing. And I guess kind of maybe in showing her this, trying to like, okay, the game's over. Like, this is very serious. This is what happened. Like, you need to understand. And then we have that shot I was mentioning earlier where we kind of go into the dark, like, hole entrance to this thing on the ground. Which, again, I'm not sure why there's a big open hole at this, like, monument for missing children. Yeah. (laughs) Do they run out of funding and they couldn't, like, patch it up? And they're like, ah, fuck it. Whatever. Yeah, let's leave. Let's just leave this hole where that children could then go into and go missing, <laughs> so that yeah. more children could go missing in this <laughs> monument. Yeah. Pretty sick. Um, it's a bit of a honeypot, maybe. So, but yeah. So, the the story is that, as we were led to believe by Sarah, um, is that like her sister went missing a long time ago, and perhaps that that is. Also, I think we're also meant to believe that is what sort of caused a rift between like the grandpa and the Joan and the the grandfather. Um, yeah, and, and the estrangement of like Sarah. I think like Joan like took that really really hard. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I think maybe we should just go into kind of like I forget what happens in between the reveal, but we sort of get the reveal. There's oh, a lot yeah. of like spooky stuff but essentially the reveal is the next important plot point where we see a so she flashback. goes into the shed yes right yeah yes. she goes into that weird weird shed and she opens this like cupboard this like metallic cupboard and finds and, uh, mia within yeah mia was in there um hiding and she startles her and jumps on her Mia slash Alice, I guess I should say. Yeah, and she sort of startles the her entity. and jumps on her. Yeah, and uh, like jumps on her, basically starts like hitting her face, and then Sarah smashes her with this like weird metallic like instrument, like a uh, farm she... tool or something that she finds. Yeah, in the shed. 
or yeah, like the a rusty carport, rather. Yeah, farm tool. And she smashes her face in. Um, and so, and then she sort of dis- Mia sort of disappears. So it's 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 almost mm-hmm. like it wasn't really Mia. It was maybe a vision. It's it's a little unclear. Maybe it was a ghost. Like it's uh, a ghost of Alice. Yeah. So disappears. Sarah leaves the shed. Finds Mia outside running away. Pursues her. And that's when we kind of get a scene intercut with a flashback, what happened to Alice. And basically what happened to Alice is Sarah was playing with her, I think in the shed or around the shed, kind of like heard her by accident. Alice ran away and then Sarah decided, I'm just going to push her off the cliff in the heat of the moment. I think the motivation for what actually happened to Alice is so unclear and weak. But basically we have a scene of the past like, oh, Sarah is actually responsible for Allison's death. And then we have in the present day, Sarah also pushes Mia off the cliff. Or so we think. Although later it's like, was that all a hallucination? Well, Mia comes back later because her husband yeah. uh, eventually comes back and like they find Mia. So she's okay. So she she was never pushed off the cliff like, like yeah, Alice was. So sorry, if I can just add a bit more color to that. So the husband decides to visit this property. I think he's concerned with like how things are going. And yeah, at this point, Sarah's in the house. She's drawing this huge black scribbled square on the floor. She seems super traumatized. Knock on the door. She's telling the husband, oh, Mia's right here. Mia's right here. Husband checks. That's obviously not ex-husband. That's obviously not the case. They start running around and screaming. They're up on the bluffs. They end up going down to the water. Sarah dives in the water. She thinks she sees a corpse in the water. It's not, I don't think it's really quite clear whether it's meant to be Mia, Alice, both, neither. Um, And then they actually do find Mia, who is still alive. Or so we think. Honestly, the last 15 minutes of the movie, it's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And I feel like it gets very muddled. (laughs) I, 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 I got the sense that like, most of that was like just like dream visions and shit. Yeah. And I, and then, I, th- I think at the end, like Mia is alive and like so, basically um, finds, figures out um, what her mother had done essentially. So I think, I, yeah, we basically have two more scenes in the movie. One of them being Sarah going back to the nursing home, visiting Joan late at night. And having a conversation to her mom saying, like, I found Alice. Like, she's dead. She she wasn't alive all these years. She like, gives her closure. Kind of gives her closure. They kind of come full circle. But it's weird as well because somebody comes into the room, like somebody works at the care home and says, like, oh, you can't be here. You can't be visiting. So it's like, wait, we're supposed to... I'm like, is this scene all in her head? Because it makes no sense that she would be able to enter the nursing home late at night go visit and then be kicked out like what it would be locked like you would have to sign in there would be people seeing you on the way in right so it's like i don't know is any of that scene real it's very weird it's a, it's a little weird but i i think i think we're meant to believe that that it's probably grounded in reality i don't know it wasn't that it wasn't that wasn't surreal enough to to make I, me think that it was yes okay so then we get the final scene or the final couple of scenes where Sarah and Mia are in a bed together and we're meant to think maybe it's Mia, maybe it's Alice, 
And then Sarah basically says, kind of talking to both of them, like, I've done so many bad things, I've hurt you. And Mia slash Alice basically gets her to admit, like, oh, you're a monster, slips away. And then Sarah gets out of the bed and sees both Mia and Alice. Maybe they're both real. Maybe they're both ghosts. You could debate it either way. Maybe Alice is a ghost and Mia is still real at that point. But basically being led, Alice leading Mia towards the cliff, presumably to kill her. And she, Sarah is inside screaming and like banging on the window. And mm. that's our movie. <laughs> so See, what, what do you make of the end? See, my reading of the end was that like Mia was sort of escaping from her mom after like realizing what she had done with the help of Alice. So I, I actually thought that Alice was helping her escape rather than like sinisterly killing her. Oh, because I thought it was Alice revisiting Sarah to kind of exact revenge. Like you took mm. my life. I'm going to take your daughter's life now. Like the cycle continues. Or right. I think there's even a reading in the movie where it's like nothing supernatural ever happens. It's just Sarah's increasingly messed up mental state and guilt and kind of she can't run anymore and it's being confronted with all this stuff. Um, also, in the article where I was quoting the insane stuff from the costume designer, yeah, uh, they write this. This is uh, the very trustworthy Mashable.com who would never mislead us. It doesn't escape us that the White Rabbit's association with Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland feels like a direct connection with Sarah's sister's name. If we had to guess, we'd say the rabbit is most likely an extended metaphor for Sarah's journey down the rabbit hole of her own memories. She doesn't want to face her past. It physically hurts her, but she can't get rid of it. Sarah's visions of tunnels and black holes, plus black tunnels she repetitively draws, are symbolic of her repressed trauma. So I was thinking throughout the movie, I'm like, there's a lot of rabbit. There's a name Alice over and over again. I'm like, should we be thinking about Alice in Wonderland? And I'm like, no, right, that's right. dumb. But these people the pick up on it, so, It's so tenuous, though. Like, it's, there's so little parallel. to It's a rabbit yeah. hole of trauma. Come on. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. little weak, I think. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a stretch. But then again, it's like, if the clues in the text are pointing me and other people in the same direction, it's like, Maybe they should have picked a different name if they didn't want that no, parallel for, being drawn. <laughs> no, for sure. Either either they executed it well, not well enough, or like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or they, I don't know. Anyway, but like, um, no, what was I gonna say? Yeah. So it's yeah, it is a little bit like up in the air as to whether how much of that was real, which I like actually. Like, I kind of like that, and like even like one reading, well that I had, and I think I saw, like, a few letterbox people had this reading, too, of, like, did the rabbit just give her rabies? Is this all, like, rabies-induced hallucination? Mm. Uh, mm. Which is fun. I like that. Um, and obviously, that still, like, is, you know, you could still, uh, the, maybe, like, the rabies is, like, inducing this kind of journey, this journey into the rabbit hole of her trauma or whatever, right? Right. So just here's kind of my fun. idea with the rabbit. Instead of a bite, which does seem to be like there is a literal rabbit that literally bit her, I think the rabbit should have been like, she thinks she gets rid of it earlier in the movie or even kills it, perhaps. But then later in the movie, it comes back. And yeah. then it's like, oh, the rabbit isn't real and it's a symbol for everything. Oh, I don't know about yes. the whole bite business. I feel like if they want to go this route of 
making everything so psychological and like so ambiguous i think the rabbit should have been like destroyed or run away or something and it's like ah that's done we can go back to being normal and maybe it like even seems to cure mia for a bit and then we lapse back into all the all the bullshit piling up mm, yeah that's a good point that's true um that would be i don't know this movie it's like it's not that smart of a movie but it did really make me think like if i had to rewrite this what notes would i give <laughs> yeah no it had a lot of like good I don't know. Good bones. It had good uh, good bones. Uh, yeah, sca- good scaffolding for mm-hmm. a movie that could have been much better for sure. Um, yeah. My, so okay, here's a here's a reading. I <laughs> what if? Because there's some insinuation throughout the movie that like maybe this is like the ex husband and or Joan fucking with Sarah, and because like mm. Joan sort of perpetuates this idea of like. Um, Mia is Alice by calling her Alice because she looks like Alice because she's fucking senile. Mm. Um, and then the ex-husband, and then at one point she like calls her ex-husband and like his uh, wife, new wife picks up and uh, she's sort of like, have you been talking to fucking Mia? Like, are you telling her shit about Alice? Mm. So here's my reading. I think the husband hmm. is fucking with Sarah to try and gain custody of Mia. <laughs> that is... But- by feeding me that is bullshit, quite the fan feeding, theory feeding the grandma bullshit feeding me a bullshit he comes in at the end swoops in he knows sarah's gonna be crazy in that house um mm. and, and he's out here trying to get custody <laughs> damn uh no i think he's a hero and a good guy and uh she should have given him another chance but she selfishly chose to divorce and look where it got her folks <laughs> yeah I think they should have just joined forces and become a thruple and a in like a super family. That's just me. That would the husband, be uh the wife, Sarah, Joan, all of them. That would be if uh Swanberg ghosted this. They should have just become the Whitakers. I'm pretty sure it's the Whitakers, right? The Widow Whitakers. The Whitakers. Damn, are you an English teacher? I'm Wait, also holy shit, Bob, dude. Holy shit, I just realized you go back to work tomorrow, right? Is that your first I do, day? I do. Yeah, oh, yeah. holy moly. So this is the end of your summer vacation is recording this dumbass podcast with me. <laughs> Pretty much, dude. Wow. Wow, sorry, dude. I didn't mean to end it on this note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you still have plenty of time to have a, a good night after this. Maybe I'll go and try and find a rabbit that can bite me so I can get this yeah. week off. Well, you and Michael need to go back to Granville Island. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I still keep thinking about the, the cat head in the mouth thing. That's so crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Um. Okay, so would we... Is this a chill or a kill? Do we recommend or nah? It's so hard to say. I think ultimately nah, but like it's so close to a chill. You know what I mean? I feel like it's close. I'm so on the fence about this. I just feel like there are other horror movies that are on Netflix and Netflix originals that are probably more compelling than this one. Exactly. It's so undercooked. It just feels undercooked. Um, it yeah. feels like it was. Yeah. You know, just not enough there. I would say I would say it's a kill. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
watch you should watch some of those other australian movies i was uh yeah the stranger wolf creek um the rover is a good one from like 10 years ago oh yeah um yeah yeah guy pierce robert pattinson uh oh i knew what i meant to say last episode but totally forgot in netflix news the news um so they've like canceled their dvd service now and i forget the exact day that's ending but they're saying to customers like you can keep the dvds that you take from your last order like just go (laughs) which of course (laughs) makes sense because it's like how would you unload this massive supply of dvds now like there's no market demand for this these have these hold no value but it does make me think of when my my parents moved my mom was like oh i should get a facebook marketplace and sell all these dvds i'm like you're going to have to do a lot of legwork to find like the individual buyers for like Smallville seasons one through 10. Like nobody's going to take the lot of the DVDs. Yeah. You know? Like you're going to be <laughs> putting out, there's going to be so much communication with individual people for so little profit on each item. I'm like, I would not do this if I were you. <laughs> right. No one's going to take all your DVDs like a Storage Wars garage, right? Like No, no. <laughs> so then that made me think about Netflix. Like, oh, they're doing it on such a bigger scale. But I'm like, also, that would be cool if you have been using the, D- the DVD service. So like, I think there is value as a consumer in having physical media because, you know, stuff is not always available on streaming sometimes it's a an edited version on streaming sometimes you know maybe something is not culturally correct anymore and maybe nobody uh, puts it on streaming so having that dvd nobody can take it from you Um, exactly dvds also make me think about a famous william friedkin interview i see sometimes posted the screenshot where it's like i guess maybe early 2000s 2010-ish and the interviewer is saying like, oh, Oliver Stone told us that DVDs are only supposed to last for 10 years. They have a decade lifespan. And William Friedkin, not one to mince words, is like, why the fuck would that be the case? How would he know? Like, that's bullshit. I have DVDs older than that. And then the interviewer is kind of trying to joke around being like, oh, maybe he doesn't want anyone to see his movie Alexander. And that's why he said it. And Friedkin is like, fuck him and fuck Alexander. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> but I I think about that interview sometimes when somebody just makes this like bold claim that they pulled out of their ass. It's like how the fuck would they know? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> R.I.P. William Friedkin. You're a you're a wild one. We love DVDs. We love movies. <laughs> Holy shit, dude! Fuck uh, Oliver Stone. Can't yeah. shot by a lone gunman. Fuck you. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um i don't really have any media recommendations to be honest i i feel like i have nothing of value to say for that segment uh yeah i'm pretty bone dry here myself (laughs) i i mean we just hey we just recommended a bunch of good australian true true yeah we gave our listeners enough to chew on there i think enough for their uh their movie diet yeah if they're for the next next week their their homework for next week which they always diligently do of course. Sure. And um, I don't think we've solidified the next movie that we're going to do. I know I keep saying this, like, we will do The Idol at some point over the next few weeks. I have so much to say about The Idol. That's definitely going to be the episode that gets us canceled. I'm going to speak for, like, three <laughs> unbroken hours about women's bodies. Um, it's going to be dope. 
<laughs> Actually, you know what? If we ever do the Tinder Swindler, which is a Netflix original, we'll definitely get canceled for oh, that because shit. I feel no empathy for the victims. I think they got what they deserved. The fuck it, yeah. What was it? The the two the tinny swim. What's the shoes again? Oh, the tabby shoes. Yeah, the t- the well, tabby was... swindlers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it is funny because, like, the Tinder swindler is very dripped out, but in a very gauche way. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we'll do that eventually. I do think it's an interesting movie to look at from a documentary perspective and, like, just how it's framed and told and, like, how I would say the interview subjects are not asked a lot of hardball questions. They're kind of treated with kid gloves. Because uh-huh. mentally, mentally they are children and they're narcissists. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get right. into it later. But <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we we should do more, at least one more doc at some point in the near future. Yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah. yeah, Netflix is not going to stop cranking out documentaries of varying qualities. So maybe that will be all it cranks up since because of the writer's strike. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I wonder is, is that going to ever? Yeah, the ever fucking prolonged writer strike which uh no end in sight at the moment Jesus. it's gonna be docs docs all the way down docs and reality tv can't wait yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. um okay i think with that we will leave the loyalists for this week bye uh bye <laughs> bye bye bye, bye. bye.